In this week's episode, it's not all good vibes and glory in this week's pull of comics. While there are definitely some excellent titles to pick up, there are also a couple that we maybe suggest leaving on the rack. It's all happening now on Cover B. Hey everybody, welcome back. Hello. It is more Cover B time. It is time for more Cover B. But it is not, it's not going to be all sunshine and roses like it always is. It's true. Um, we got some things to say today. <laughs> I don't know why you're saying it like that. <laughs> there are some pretty cool issues out today in terms of stuff that came out for, like, stuff that's been going on for a while. Right. Uh, Three Jokers closed out. That was cool. There was a new addition to X of Swords or Ten of Swords, if you buy into Jonathan Hickman's bullshit um, <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, I'm just now realizing when I podcast, I move like Jack Sparrow. Um, you do. My hands is, are everywhere. Um, they are. No one can see your I, hands. Yeah, I know. I'm just, I'm just now realizing it, and now I'm very aware of it. He and just articulates for me, um, and now he looks like a scarecrow gesticulating. Just, just shut up. <laughs> I'm uncomfortable. Um. But uh, so there was cool issues coming out for that kind of stuff. Batgirl uh, number 50 came out and that was hype. Um, with one exception, the new stuff this week was kind of just OK. Yeah. It had its high points. It had its low points. Um, so I apologize going forward. We're not going to have kind of like the rave reviews that we've had the past few weeks, which is a little bit disappointing. I feel like especially in the realm of indie fare, uh, we've had some really heavy hitters coming in. Uh, but this week was a little bit of a, of a, it, it was a silver medal week, you know, there was some bronze, there was some bronze, <laughs> but we'll kick it off with the one that did the best, um, the, the one platinum that's, of the group. that's been hyped forever. That's right. It's the reptile amphibian, the myth, the legend, <laughs> the book with 65, count them, 64. Five exclusive covers. Oh my god! Uh, TMNT, which is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for the layman. Uh, the Last Ronin, number one. Yes. So my major complaint. We'll get that out of the way. What the f with the size of this book? How am I going to store that? Thanks. I don't know. IDW, you a holes. It's a so. It's a big chongus. <laughs> We'll get this out of the way right now because this is the thing I've been shouting at people on the streets for about two days now. Um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, when it first came out, was an underground book. It was not from like a big publisher. It was just Kevin Eastman and other guy doing their thing um, and making turtles who fight ninjas cool it wasn't a <laughs> sure. kids book it didn't turn into a kids thing until it really started getting populated by nickelodeon uh or propagated by Ni what is the word i'm looking for profilated propupilated pro profitized by <laughs> until it got pomegranate by uh nickelodeon it wasn't really a kid's thing uh then everyone started just assuming it was a kid's thing it's actually really shocking for people when they pick up the normal ongoing tmnt run it's and they see heck. they see things like donatello getting his shell cracked open with a sledgehammer and stuff like that uh something that actually happened dork a few years back heck anyway when it first came out it was just like a five issue run i think or no it, it continued on but the first five issues were like the really like big boys that really like 
brought it into the light. And aside from really shocking the world um, and being this cool new thing and creating all these spinoffs like radioactive gerbil, geriatric gerbils, which is an actual thing, and various other animal-based, um. multiple-named, creature-based teams, uh, one thing it's notable for is that it was printed on a size of comic that literally nothing has ever been printed on ever in the history of mankind <laughs> ever <laughs> until today because as some sort of freaky deaky homage to the original TMNT run IDW made the choice to print the last Ronin on freaky deaky sized comic book you look at it and it's like a mutant you you're scared but also slightly aroused it's <laughs> taller and wider than a normal book but shorter and thinner than a magazine what is it who calls it people shriek at the mere mention of its name i don't know it's last ronin anyway it was a good book pisses me off it <laughs> i can't put it in my bags and boards i can't buy bags and boards for it if i put it in a magazine bag and board it just looks lonely i don't know what to do you luckily just... it's spined so i think what i'll end up doing is just cramming it between two trades and hoping just, no one notices just treat it like you treat black label because black label black don't... label is magazine size but they're i got thick boys. plenty of magazine size bags <laughs> and boards they fit perfectly no space in there whatsoever i don't need to like put it in there and then fill it with change just so i feel like i'm getting use out of my bags and boards so the book itself was really good. Yeah, it was cool. Um, I really enjoyed it. It was my favorite fact, of the week. <laughs> they finally reveal who the last one is. We won't yep. spoil it. But on the very last page, they finally reveal people had already had theories for a long time. Yep. I feel like I had been told on multiple accounts, like, they already know who that is, which is bull. Like, you didn't. I'm going to ruin it. It's Rocksteady. Bebop, Rocksteady. <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, it's, but it's really cool. I like the way that it's depicted. It kind of plays with like grief and mental health a little bit. It's, mm -hmm. it's like the art is really neat. The book itself is really deep. I've never read a turtle book before. I've yeah, seen, same. I've seen, some never turtle, really read any turtle stuff. I've read, I've seen some turtle TV. Like I've watched turtle movies, but I've never read any turtle stuff. And there's been a lot of turtle stuff. And, but, you know, I honestly didn't feel lost jumping into this. I didn't feel like confused. I it honestly, this one made a lot more sense and felt a lot easier to read than some of yeah. the other stuff we were in this one. It, we mentioned, but, I think, last episode, um, how the return. It was either the last episode or two episodes ago. Sometime recently, we've mentioned that there's been this real big push and return uh, to like samurai yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, and you know, this real, you know, revival of the kind of Kurosawa revenge seeking type samurai story arc that yeah. we're seeing pop up kind of all over the place all of a sudden. Um, and this one's no stranger. We literally open and I love where this book opens cause it opens in media res, um, which means in the middle of for people who didn't go to college or did go to college and aren't a pretentious ass 
like me. Um, we start in Not media res. English majors. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Chris, you could have just said in the middle of, I know, but people have to know that I paid too much money for a degree I'm not using. Um, <laughs> whatever will I do if they don't know? Um, <laughs> so this opens in media res, and uh, we see the last Ronin in the process of infiltrating the city to enact his plan of revenge um and that's literally like it's it's like opening a mario game and you're going to bowser's castle you're like at the final boss um and that's when things get shaky yep. and it's funny that i say that because there's actually a lot of mario games that start that way and they're all my favorites um <laughs> and it's it's dicey from there and it's literally like half of the book the first half of the book is this like final push to his target and then stuff goes awry um, and gets shaken up. But And it is indeed heckin' dark. It's very dark. It lots of blood. Very not a kid's book. Kind of sad. It's very sad. Ugh. And it leaves you with questions, but it leaves you with enough of a taste of what kind of environment we're in um, that you really get an idea of it. Uh, it also presents some interesting stuff. I don't know if they've hit on with the turtles, such as them like aging slower because they're mutant turtles and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I just think that's really cool, but it was a good book and the oversized, you know, nature of it does give you more room for art. I will, even though I hate that it's not just a magazine, they could have just done a magazine. I don't know why they didn't do a magazine. Um, having more book to look at the art is definitely uh definitely a plus it's no yeah, matter it's what a definite positive and this is a big beefy boy so it's a now the thing to remember is that this book is going to be hard to find very fast i yeah. mentioned the aforementioned um i mentioned the aforementioned what was that about my english degree um, how much did you spend <laughs> <laughs> Returning to the aforementioned 65 covers. Um, basically, a, a note went out about this book about a week out from it coming in, a uh, week or two, uh, that told dealers that they basically will not be getting the entirety of their order because it is going to be underprinted. Um, my guess is that IDW only uses a select few printers for their covers and since they had 65 exclusives to pump out the poor normal cover got lost in the mix Heck um used. i think they just ran out of time to print uh because i haven't heard anything about the exclusive guys getting shorted their exclusives it's just the regular cover um so if you can get out and find this get out and find it if you can snag it on third like third party Get out and do that, I think, on eBay. It's running like 20 bucks. I usually don't like to talk about eBay on the stream, but this is one worth getting. Um, not on like a speculator kind of angle or anything like that, but just to have because it's a cool book. It is a cool um, book. Get it where you can get it. And, you know, if as I've said in the past, if you happen to find a smaller store that has it, inform them of its price and its underprinted nature um, and try to help them out a little bit. Yeah, and, you know... I, I'm on a lot of these comic book uh, forums and a lot of people are, you know, bought as many as I could and I'm going to slap a bunch of them. Don't be a D-bag. Let people read the book. 
Okay. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. Let people read the book. You yeah. don't need eight copies that you're going to send to CGC. Get one. Read the book. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Guess what? It's fine. Yeah. Go buy or, some exclusive you know, covers. I can, There's plenty. I can forgive you if you want to get two, <laughs> slab one and read one. Collectors are fine, too. But if you're like, I'm getting eight so I can slab them and flip them. Thanks for ruining the the market. <laughs> I see you, comic forums. Yeah. Don't be a douche. Yeah. Hey. Flippers and feeders. On to the next book. So this one's called Sympathy for No Devils. Yep. And it's heckin' weird. It is strange. I, okay. I like the premise. I want to clarify. I think it's a really cool premise. I think the art is pretty cool. Um, There's some, like, weird... How do I non-realism going on, like fantasy worlds and yeah. and stuff like that, and like takes place around cops who deal with the extra supernatural, like weird creatures and yeah. things are happening, and it's got very much a you care about these officers SVU type of vibe, and I like all of those things. However. The delivery and the dialogue and the narration on top of it was super hard to follow. I totally didn't always know what was going on or what was happening. I feel like I feel like we went L.A. by Omaha just trying to get to the point. <laughs> okay, yeah. Like, I, I just want to read the book because I think your story is going to have merit. Yeah. Stop trying to drop in weird narration and weird like contextual stuff on top of it that I don't know if that's actually pertinent. And then they make like an unreliable narrator. And I it just it does. The flow isn't there. Yeah. I uh, that's yeah, what I the, the pacing and organization of the narration was at times a bit. Heckin confusing a bit disjunct um <laughs> it yeah it there were points where it was like okay is this are we now in the past are we now beginning i think there was an effort to fit into a noir style um without fully comprehending how and why they wanted to take it that direction that said again I like the characters. I like the concepts being built. There's this Definitely. whole idea of the main character's luck being like a literal physical thing. Very domino, um, which is cool. Yeah, I think um, I think there's a lot to work with here, and it's a cool book in and of itself, and it does present like a cool world. Um, but yes, it especially in the beginning, like right when it kicks off, it's a little bit like okay, um, it's a little clunky. Uh, but it, it, you know, it holds its own in the long run. I feel like once I got to the end, I had an, oh, sort of moment. Like, oh, this is what you're going for. But there's a whole chunk in this book where I don't even know who's talking. And <laughs> okay. Until you fit, like, it, I don't know. I, there is a way to create that type of overarching narrative and communication and narrator style and, and, you know, omniscience. That is really interesting. And then there's sometimes when it's either not necessary or it kind of weighs down your work. And I feel like here, because of the way it was presented and the way that they articulated it, they didn't 
in my opinion, they didn't marry the narration and the dialogue together, and they didn't marry the narration to the art early enough to make it clear what was happening from who, by whom, for what. Yeah, until I like think, almost the end of the book. Yeah, I mean, I I don't totally like have as much of an issue with it as you have. Um, but that said, I do get where you're coming from. There were some layout issues that yeah. create some problems. Um, but again, really cool concepts. It's another aftershock Definitely title. Concept. Um, if you like procedural crime drama, um, if you like. What was that like Will Smith movie that came out on Netflix? Oh like, yeah, because it it kind of felt like that to me. Yeah, I, I was like, bit. are they getting at this? Um, and yeah, it it yeah. I mean, if you like that kind of idea of stuff, like a human existing in a world that's no longer controlled by humans, but instead is this kind of like magical, real fantasy world, but yeah. modern day. Um, then this you know this could be a good book to pick up. It's it's a really cool concept. I'm probably gonna pick up number two just to see if just it give kind it another of finds, chance. Yeah, 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 see if it finds its footing a little bit more. It very well could just be suffering from like unknown syndrome. Sometimes yeah. if you go into a book and you have no idea what you're getting into, it can be really disjunct and confusing. But then once you fi- you kind of know what you're getting into and you have an expectation set going into number two, you're like, oh yeah, no, I feel the vibe and I, I this flows better. So yeah. I'm hoping that it kind of has that that appeal once it gets to number two, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Um, I want to talk about, so there was a horror anthology book that I missed a long time ago. And for those who don't know, I love horror anthologies. They're my favorite thing ever. Growing up watching uh, Twilight Zone marathon during New Year's Eve. Creep show. Um, creep show and uh, Tales from the Crypt on like junk weekend TV whenever I could. Uh, I just I'm enamored by horror anthologies. Uh, Ice Cream Man is currently one of my favorite books. I recommend it to everybody who can possibly get their hands on it. Uh, good shit. Um, <laughs> Electric Black is a uh horror anthology from scout that i actually missed the original volume from i didn't know it was a horror anthology Hmm. and the covers kind of made it look like it was this like grindhouse book also we weren't really doing cover b so my buying habits were a little bit more normal um (laughs) uh skinnier normal um (laughs) and so I wasn't like, well, I'm not interested in this, but it's new. Let's pick it up. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I kind of passed on it. I just, you know, Scout hadn't really been having a lot of hits. Um, like they've kind of had a, you know, revival recently of some pretty good stuff, but they, you know, weren't really on my radar as a company at the point. Um, and that one, like I said, it just kind of looked like a grindhouse piece and I'm not always here for grindhouse pieces. Yeah. Um, Later down the road, somebody was telling me about it, um, and I actually ended up getting a trade, but I haven't read it yet because of my my buying habits habits changing. Um, (laughs) And yeah, it's a horror anthology. Well, they've got another one. Um, It's called The The Electric Black Presents. Now, my understanding of it, again, I don't have all the background and lore from the first series. Uh, but the Electric Black is like a curio shop. It's like an antique shop slash pet shop 
slash catch all for mystical and strange things. Um, You'd go by Gizmo there. Yeah, exactly. It actually feels like this random horror movie T and I watched once um, where it had the dude from Reanimator whose name escapes me, even though I love his voice acting and Reanimator in and of itself. But uh, he was playing this dude who runs a shop. Oh, yeah. And this woman comes in and is like, I need a gift for my sister. And he's like telling her the stories of all the items in his shop. That movie was terrible. It was awful. Oh, <laughs> so bad. Um, that movie was really bad. Anyway, this feels like that, but good. Um, so it's like this guy's in his shop and he's like, oh, hey, everything in here has a story. Let me tell you about this. And it seems that the procedure is going to be two stories per book. My biggest question is how can a book with a cool premise and a really cool cosmic horror eldritch kickoff have such a problematic second story? <laughs> oh, yeah. I um. So the first story was great. It was, you know, set in like the 1300s. It was during the Black Plague. It was like a cosmic horror. It was like a total nod to the king in yellow. And it was cool. Eldritchy AF. Eldritch and cool. And then the, the second story was basically the Incredible Hulk in Vietnam biting the heads off of Vietnamese people and calling them angry yellow men. Yeah, I felt so uncomfortable. Like, I, yeah. I, I understand that it's supposed to be in the context of when it's happening. And yes, I'm sure that a soldier in that scenario was probably using horrible slurs. But guess what? I don't really want to read that. Yeah, and it's it's it has this dangerous territory of... Vil like, if you're going to tell a story set in Vietnam, you need to be ready for the complexities that come along with Vietnam. Yeah. Um, especially from a modern scope and just having like a big hulking white dude running through Vietnam, like ripping the Viet Cong in half and not trying to like formulize a message there or like make a statement there kind of makes its own statement and and it about how you view the Vietnam War. It had so much potential too, because technically it's like he goes out and, you know, turns into the monster. He himself becomes the villain. But like, he himself becomes the villain in which he then turns on his own people. So once again, the villain is still whoever's against America. Well, and it's it's not even that. It's just like. <sighs> I don't know. It's shaky I, and they, awkward. It, and I don't it's, like it. The second story is not great and is a bit problematic, like I said, um, and kind of overly vilifies uh, non-whites. But the first story is really good, and I'm still going to pick up this book because I like the idea of a new cool horror anthology with cool art. It's all very neon and very, like, you know simple color palettes building uh building the tension uh i just hope that there's not more stories like that you know you what know, i mean sometimes a writer just isn't meant to write the subject matter that they're writing yeah i mean it's very possible that the the intention of the author was to show the horrors of war and by all means fine 
but the route they chose to depict that wherein basically this man is turned into a monster because of the Viet Cong and then altered by, you know, the Americans. You know, it's just like, (laughs) it wasn't like, maybe there was an attempt to be like, both sides were bad and made issues and were problems. But like, I don't know. It wasn't, your message wasn't clearly decisive enough yeah, to like, indicate that there were things you could have done with the same premise and same character. You could have done a bastardization of Captain America and made it like really complicated and awkward. You could have, you know, like you said, shown that he's literally wars turning him into a monster. You know what I mean? And made it like the horrors of war yeah. and stuff. But there was just a little bit too much of a gratification of you know, brutalizing the enemy yeah. that really like negated any attempt to like tell a story about war or like make a statement about war, the trials of war. It was war. incredibly distracting and overwhelming. It was very, there was too much gratuity and I, I'm not the type of person to be like, Oh, that violence was gratuitous. Love it. I'll eat it up. I love campy B movies where like shitty deaths happen. Like, (laughs) oh, it's so good. Sleepaway Camp is still one of my favorite slasher flicks. And it's just like, I don't know, bees. Um, But like, I don't know. It it just, there was too much of a focus on like, hey, check it out as I like punch holes in these guys for it to really like, if the message of like, Look, he's becoming the monster. Was there? It was way overshadowed by. And they they even tried to like give it some depth. Like he says his, you know, son's name to regain control. So he's just constantly being like Roy, Roy, Roy. But it just it wasn't enough. No. And it's possible that the concept had more but then the format restricted it it was truncated and you know there were in my opinion there would have been things you could have left out to leave in more to make it a more heartfelt like thoughtful piece than just here's this dude beating up non-white people you know what i mean yeah a little rough but still recommend it that said because i i don't fully believe the intention of the author was to make some sort of negative racial statement. Um, I'm just warning you that it is a bit problematic. There's that second some story. to it. That said, second story is art. Freaking killer. Yeah. Um, I'm not usually a fan of just horror stories about like big hulking dudes. It's like body painted weirdos in horror movies. Yeah. It's just not my aesthetic. But this one was pretty cool. It was a cool art style. Uh, but that first story was really, really cool. I love Eldritch stuff. I'm obsessed with how much the Eldritch stuff is coming back. But there you have it. Yeah. All right. So last on the docket is a one shot for Marvel. Okay. Called Black Widow Widow Sting. And it's by retired Marvel editor Ralph Macchio. Not retired, kid. <laughs> retired karate kid Ralph Macchio. He's unretired, isn't he? Because there's a new karate kid. I there. guess, yeah. And he's busy calling John Stamos a socialist or something. I don't know. Oh, sweet lord. Anyway, 
not the Karate Kid, but still Ralph Macchio. Um, with art by Simon Buonfantino. I think I said that close. Sorry. I apologize. That name is Buonfantino. It's a trickster. It's a tongue <laughs> twisters. Yeah. Um, so. How do I? <laughs> Let it out, girl. I didn't think it was that good. Okay. I now. Okay. I guess. All right. Contextually. Yes. Right. If you're trying to write a comic and you want said comic to feel classic, old school, vintage, vintage, it's a good word, then maybe this is the book for you because this book feels old. Yeah. It, I don't know. I it just imagine. has a, it has a very dated vibe to me. So like. I feel that way about everything when they let Neil Adams do like a Batman miniseries or something. And it's like, yeah, okay. People don't talk like that anymore. No, it's so, <laughs> it's, it's incredibly formulaic. It's yeah. incredibly like dated feeling like the dialogue is kind of silly in points and like. She reports back to S.H.I.E.L.D. in the middle of a hallway. My cover's gonna be blown. I found where they're taking the stuff. Like, in the in the middle of a hallway. And, like, all the bad guys speak with, like, weird New Yorker, Italian gangster hey, what's accent. what's the matter, you? Like, even, even worse, like, like, we're gonna put him in a body bag. Put like, him in a body bag, like, Johnny. It's, yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, and, and like, so it was Ralph Montgomery. You know, right? And she like shows up and is like, I hope this dress fits. Like, literally, that's one of the lines. Like, she shows up in her Black Widow suit and she's like, I have to infiltrate this event. And they said that they'd leave a dress right here for me in this bush. I hope it fits. <laughs> and like, it's. It's, I don't know. It's, it's weird and like. Gosh, Annie M. <laughs> right? Like, I hope it fits. And, and like, she gets in there and she doesn't do a very convincing job of infiltrating, which it's the Black Widow. That's sort of what. You don't really get does. that name by being bad at your job. Like, it felt. She's not the bad widow. It felt more like Mary Jane was doing an op for Shield. Like it was weird. <laughs> okay. Like it didn't. Yeah. It didn't. The personality didn't feel right, and the vibe didn't feel right, and the villains felt kind of weird and contrite. And she goes through literally trying to get. She's going to try and collect an item, which Doctor Strange just donated this weird super magical super dangerous thing to a museum and then just like forgot about it. it's fine and then like evening guards were able to replace it with a fake so that a mobster could have it that's believable and like <laughs> right and then she goes to get it and she has to go through like an obstacle course to get the thing i just you can't see, but I'm like wiping my head and it just, I can't it, <laughs> like I get, I get the appeal of trying to present a book 
in a way that feels very old school vintage classic that feels very throwback that nuanced vibe of traditional yeah. original s comics yeah. however i can't give it a pass because yeah. the marvel presents books have also been doing that same thing in incredibly talented ways i um I, I, big shrug yeah i will be honest i do not like out of continuity one shots yeah i have seen very few that work very few that don't just feel like a weird contrite way of making things happen they sometimes feel like the writer was just like it feels like watching somebody play with action figures they're like what if blade wolverine from empire and it's just like yeah okay i i out of continuity one shots are just strange and they're so often just rushed and like but at the same time i mean sometimes there's just these dudes that have connections at these companies that are like i want to write I a thing i want to do a thing and they're like sure rob your shit's hideous but you can do it <laughs> it's been a while since we've taken a rob <laughs> like love you rob honestly i i genuinely wonder if this is the feel i get i'm sorry if i'm offending anyone i'm just being completely honest it felt to me like they had written a Black Widow Marvel Presents book like they have done for Namor and mm -hmm. and and uh, 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 Johnny Storm and like things like that. Okay, so you're talking about the Marvel's it's like the Marvel's things. The Marvel snapshots. Yes. yes those. Okay. That's what I'm talking about. Um, it feels like they need one of those for Black Widow but it wasn't good enough to go in that line so they were like oh well let's just make it its own thing yeah it's because possible that they didn't like it's possible that that's what it was that they set it up to be a marvel snapshot black widow but then they were like well black widow doesn't really fit the tone of these marvel snapshots that we're doing but she so could that's let's... the thing i want to see a black widow marvel snapshot that talks about her like right after her getting out of the red room like that would be awesome and, and these the marvel snapshots have been so nuanced and smart and deep and emotionally charged and heavy and have tackled really intense like concepts like racism and ptsd and like celebrity and, and all of these things in such great nuanced ways mm -hmm. and then to get this this book literally felt to me like somebody just wanted to write a black widow story in the way that they remember comics when they were little and it it's just it kind of just comes out a little tacky and a little cheesy all right there i said it i'm sorry i'm not saying the whole thing's bad the art's pretty good i understand the concept but i just we're past that that's not what yeah. comics is anymore you heard it here folks from the mouth of tea the karate kid is lame Right? I, mean, I tuned out after Ralph Macchio. I don't know what. That's okay. That's fine. I mean. I, I mean, I'm confused about why we're talking about the Karate Kid, but. I mean. I, 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 put, put him in a body bag, Johnny. I don't. 
sweep the legs. <laughs> Real talk, it's probably really annoying being the writer Ralph Macchio and having people assume that you're the Karate Kid. Oh, when I first Marvel. read this, I absolutely assumed it was written by the Karate Kid, which honestly would have excused it a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair. Not trying to yeah. be that guy. Yeah. You know, it would have been yeah. like, oh, he's an actor from the eighties. That makes sense. That makes sense. Like that's that's the vibe. Like he's basically making Karate Kid, but with Black Widow, like playing with the action figures. I get it. But this is this is this is professional, bro. I don't. I don't. So what you're saying is Ralph Macchio is not your favorite. Kieran Gillen's still safe at the top. Yeah. Okay, good. I was worried there. Well, I mean, hey now. There's 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 levelness up there with Kieran and Chip. Yeah, fair. It you can't with you can't just be like, oh yeah. But Have I shown you the variant cover of Chip Starsky naked spooning Matt Fraction? Do we own that? Yeah. That's been in my house lately, I haven't seen it. Yeah. Sex Criminals, number 69, the last issue, which is actually, like, number 40-something, but Bruh. made it number 69. Also, someone else has been climbing the ranks. <sighs> oh, yeah? There's a new Arthur climbing the ranks in the tea hot spot. Nice. Simon Spurrier. Nice. That may kill me. Cool. Shout out. Shout out. You getting up there, homie. Making it work. I'll give a shout out, too. James Tenian, kicking ass. Hell Department, yeah. Department of Truth, number two, is amazing. Department of Truth is going to be my new favorite series. It's so good. That bro has been killing it over yeah, DC, yeah. too. Yeah. He's just all over the place. Well, and Something is Killing the Children is one of my favorites. So. Oh, that's Tinian? Yeah. Damn. Yeah, dog. He's on fire right now. They did a... Um, <laughs> hey, welcome to the part of the show where T and I just have a conversation. Um <laughs> They did a Something is Killing the Children cover for the first issue of Department of Truth and then a Department of Truth cover for Something is Killing the Children. Oh my God, that's awful. And I think that's absolutely one of the coolest. I've very rarely ever been like intensely thinking about buying a variant and those I'm like, <laughs> maybe. Get a little itchy for it. Anyway, thank you for listening. This has been our week in comics with Cover B. If you like what you heard, you check out more coverbpodcast.com. That's right. You can also follow us on social media on Facebook and Twitter at coverbpodcast for news and updates and fan art. And I do my best to keep it updated. I'm sorry. Yeah. Hey. And eventually we're going to be reading a new graphic novel that came out and doing a graphic novelties for it. Uh, we just didn't get a chance to do this past week. So I had considered doing it because I think it would have been appropriate for a Halloween theme, but yeah, eh, whatever. You guys will get it. This week was hard. It so hard. <laughs> it's just so hard. <laughs> We've got some powered gamings in the works as well. We got yeah. stuff coming. Just hang out. Keep vibing with us. There will be more stuff. I had somebody approach me today and was like, why are you hating on the Avengers game? <laughs> and thank you for was, your loyal yeah. listenership. I just, that's what I told him. I was like, thanks for the listen. We appreciate you. Keep listening. Chris is an ass. Ignore him. It's fine. It's Thank you so true. much. Yay. And that's going to be it for this episode of Cover Don't. Me. 
<laughs> are, you, are you laughing at me because I'm falling asleep on this mic? <laughs> I'm very sleepy. Anyway, we'll catch you on the next one. Bye. Bye.